morning. Good morning. Thank you. I, I appreciate the, uh, the whoops and the applause. It means a lot. Um, I'm very excited to be here with you guys this morning, my Echo Church family, uh, as we dive into part three of our joy series today. Pastor Chad and Katie are enjoying a well-deserved Sunday away. And hey, can we just show them some love? Can we give them a little bit of hand claps and some hollering? Yeah, for all that they do and give to us every week. Amen. Amen. As Pastor Chad said in his video introduction, my name is Karen Bazone. Uh, you may know me as part of the worship team. You maybe have seen my name at the bottom of some of the emails that you get from Echo. But let me tell you a little bit more about me uh, personally. I gave my life to Jesus almost 27 years ago, and I have been serving in vocational ministry for about 21 years. Um, and while I bring certain skills to my ministry role that I serve in here at Echo, God's call on my life is to preach his gospel. And so I am really thankful to Pastor Chad for allowing me this opportunity to bring God's word to my home church today. In, uh, we're going to recap a little bit. In week one, Pastor Chad talked to us about how we choose to give joy away. And by giving joy away, it gave Paul perspective on his past it gave him peace in his present, and it allowed him to trust God with his future. And when we choose joy, we can experience those same things. When life brings hardship and difficulty, we can choose to live in joy. Then in week two, we learned that if we're going to give joy away, we need to seek unity. We need to champion other people. We need to live beyond ourselves, and we need to extinguish entitlement. It seems backwards, but joy is found in giving it away. This week, we'll take a look uh, at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18, and it follows right on the heels of what's referred to as the Christ hymn, where Paul talks about Jesus as being our ultimate and supreme example of a life that's worthy of the gospel. And then in the passage we'll look at today, he breaks down what it means to walk out our joy. Uh, if you will, would you stand in honor of God's word with me as we read? Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return... I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, give you thanks for uh, this gathering of people here today. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and settle in among us, Lord, that you would be working in our hearts, Father. I pray that you would give each of us a, a heart to receive and ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us today, that you would not only feed our souls and spirits from your word, but that you would challenge us and provoke us to live lives that honor and glorify you. Lord, and we give you thanks and praise for this. We know that you are rooting for us and that you are for us and you are with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you can have a seat. Uh, some of you know, as Pastor Chad mentioned from his video, that we had an opportunity to work together for a little over two years when we lived in North Carolina. And a few short weeks after he and Katie and the kids packed up their things and made their way to Mississippi, I got a phone call from my mother's best friend, Fran. Fran called to tell me that she had just rushed my mother to the hospital with a collapsed lung. And a few short, um, about 10 days after that, um, we got the devastating news that my mom had end-stage terminal lung cancer. Uh, she couldn't, she wasn't physically capable of uh, withstanding any kind of treatment. Uh, she just wasn't strong enough and the cancer was too advanced. Um, I was reeling at the thought of life without my mother, and as much as I longed to drop everything and spend every moment I could possibly spend with her uh, in her final days, I simply couldn't. Uh, at church, we had not replaced Pastor Chad with a New Connections pastor. Uh, our son Nick, who's here with us this morning, he was still in school, and we had two dogs at home, and one of them had some serious health issues, and he needed medication three times a day. So each week, I would work Sunday through Thursday, I would take care of the family, and then on Friday mornings, I would throw a bag in the car and I would drive three and a half hours to where my mom was in hospice and spend uh, as much time as I could with her. But on Saturday evening, I would push the clock to the last minute and I would get in the car, <clears throat> excuse me, and drive back home so that I could be at church on Sunday and do it again. And this cycle went on for three months. Uh, as my mom uh, was in hospice. Um, she was my last living parent. My father had passed away, and my stepfather had passed away. And not only was she my last living parent, but she was my biggest fan. I had relied on her love and support my entire life. And uh, I didn't mention this yet, but my mom didn't know Jesus at this time. And it's difficult to convey just how overwhelmed and heartbroken I felt uh, every single day during these months. And yet, for as heavy-hearted as I was during this time, every week I could walk into worship and I could lift my voice and I could sing praise to Jesus with a genuine and sincere heart. It didn't feel much like it at the time, but I was choosing joy in this dark season of my life. What is it that even when you're heartbroken enables us to choose joy and worship? Or if you're Paul, when you've been beaten and imprisoned, what gives you the ability to rejoice? It's certainly something far beyond human happiness or even the genuine but still human emotion of joy. This joy that Paul holds on to has its foundation in something far greater than human emotion or even the human will as he suffers for the sake of the gospel. 
Uh, as we dive into uh, this message on part three of joy, I want to explore foundations and footsteps. Pastor Chad started us out with detours and destinations, and now I want to talk about foundations and footsteps. Foundations matter. They provide a sure place for us to live from as we face all that life brings with it. And let's be honest, the last two years, life has brought an awful lot with it that we could really do without. My stepfather had this funny thing that he would say if you made a comment about somebody having big feet, he would say that they had good understanding. Um, it's a bit of a dad joke. It's okay if you don't laugh. <laughs> but someone with big feet has a sure foundation under them that lets them literally walk solidly and securely. Small feet, on the other hand, can really be problematic. When I was a teenager, I spent four summers on a ranch camp in Ulster County, New York. It's uh, upstate New York, about two hours from Manhattan. Um, and uh, every summer, sorry, my page scrolled. <laughs> every summer, every camper got their own horse to care for and ride. And um, this one particular summer, I picked a registered quarter horse mare. Her name is Bee's Image. She should be on the screen, but there she is. Well, there we are. Um, don't judge the hair. <laughs> She's beautiful though, right? Um, and she was a dream to ride for about a week, at which point she arrived at the barn one morning limping and lame. Uh, let's just say that summer I rode pretty much every reserve horse in the barn more than once. And uh, you see, she had the opposite of good understanding. Her hooves were too small for her body. You can, you know, there she is. You can see a little bit more of her in this photo. Uh, and so because of that, she suffered from frequently sprained ankles. Uh, she didn't have the right foundation. The right foundation matters. So what exactly is this joy of Paul's? What was so powerfully active in his life that every apparent turn for the worse only caused him to rejoice more? Jesus. Now, I realize that's a little bit of a Sunday school answer, right? It's like it's always Jesus. But truly in this moment, Jesus is the object and center of Paul's enduring joy. The work Jesus did in the past on the cross so that Paul could be saved the ongoing work of transformation that Jesus is doing in Paul in his present, and the work Jesus will do in the future when he brings Paul's salvation to its intended completion. Because of Jesus, you and I have joy, hope, and peace today, and the sure expectation that in the future we will enter into our master's joy and be with him forever. Can I get an amen? That's good news. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power, indeed nothing at all in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And earlier in Philippians, Paul has written this. 
And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, and of course Paul knows this is true for himself, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This foundation that Paul has provides him with certainty as uncertainty swirls around him. Even the cruelty and the imprisonment that he suffers doesn't cause him to feel despair. He doesn't feel rejected. In fact, Paul's suffering only serves to deepen his joy. Sorry, my screen keeps scrolling all by itself. In fact, um, as his suffering deepens his joy because it's for Jesus and his suffering further strengthens his message, Paul realizes that the more he suffers, the more collateral he has with the people around him who don't yet know Jesus because they see that he suffers and he lives up to what he keeps telling them is true. And so he fearlessly continues his mission to make Jesus known. Now, most of us are unlikely in our Western world to experience the same kind of suffering that Paul did for sharing our faith with somebody. But that doesn't diminish the struggles we do have, whether they're heartaches or difficulties, whether we suffer from uh, depression or we're having a hard time, we're going through job loss or we're uh, walking through a difficult, broken relationship. Um, all of these difficulties and, and hardships that we do face when we cling to Jesus and we hold on to our joy in Jesus, um, they testify and they point to our testimony. They point to our faith, our, uh, to, to Jesus, our firm foundation, who we live to serve and glorify. And it's from this foundation that Paul invites us to walk out our joy as we face life's challenges. So 